can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. everyone you're listening to those are the girls i'm mallory i'm bailey and we are changing the culture and bringing back traditional values today we have an amazing couple that are actually going to talk to us we're going to talk about some really interesting things politically we're going to do some fun questions and everything um so without further ado um i want to introduce you guys to sebastian and victoria that political couple. Um, So you guys just start off, tell us a little bit like who you are and why you're on the podcast in the first place, I guess. Well, hey, everybody. My name is uh, Sebastian King. This is my wife, Victoria Allred. And she had the great idea to, I guess, brand us as that political couple because we love to give back to our community. So I'll let you, I'll let her tell you a little bit more about how that originated and why she thought it was a good idea. Yes. So I was studying at Clemson University doing a PhD in economics. I only lasted a semester because I was so bored. And he was involved with politics up here in North Carolina. And that was really where my heart was. And I was listening to this podcast on these bloggers called um, Capital Couple. And it really made me start thinking about kind of what me and Sebastian can do because I kind of had a little taste that summer because we had met the summer before I went to Clemson about um, really kind of what we can do in the political world. Like he was already in it. He was working for uh, John Hardster at the time. And I started going to events with him and really realized there's a lot more work and a lot more behind the scenes. And my friends started calling me, asking me for political advice because they knew I was involved and really, we kind of got branded as that political couple. It's <laughs> kind of how the name came about. And really just wanting to show a behind-the-scenes view of what it's like being in the political life. And yeah, that's pretty much how we came about. Y'all never nice. She uh, did a story, an Instagram story. Not a, you know, you get the photo ops on Facebook and everything where people see you with a opening a business or talking to constituents, but you never really get the behind the scenes look. It, it's starting to come up more nowadays with some of the HBO documentaries like um, The Swamp and stuff. But th- this is a good opportunity. I think it was really cool that she, you know, came with me to events and kind of showed behind the scenes of what really goes on in the world of politics. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think people really like that. I mean, Dan, Dan Crenshaw started doing that, taking his Instagram lives and stuff behind the scenes. And I think people really do want to see the real aspect of it. It's like, okay, you can make anything look pretty, but what's actually happening, what's going on. Um, So I think that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I think our generation is really into that too, like into the behind the scenes. We really want to know, I think we care a little bit more about like what our politicians are doing on their time off. So I think that's really, that's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing we realize, especially how, the only reason why, in my opinion, AOC won in 2018 was because of her social media. And she 
became a real person of voters. And so that's what we're really trying to showcase with that political couple is that we are real people. And especially when people make those like ugly comments on post, I'm just kind of like, do you not realize they have like a wife, they have kids, they have a family that's behind. I mean, how would you feel if someone said that about you and your family? How would your wife feel about that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah to your that's, point that's the fun part <laughs> yeah um but yeah to your point um people when you s- become a real person to people I think they're able to treat you like a real person as well and you know I don't like AOC's politics but like I really respect what she did because she really kind of was a nobody and then all of a sudden she's a somebody now I guess you can argue people found her and put money into her blah 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 but like she still kind of came from a lot less than other people whose families have been doing this for years. And you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with her being so relatable. And her whole grassroots campaign happened because of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. She got all, she garnered all that support because of social media. And I'll say this uh, now uh, Democrats aren't the only ones who's leveraging social media and politics. I think it just kind of showed with uh, the congressional race out West in North Carolina with Madison uh, mm-hmm. was able to leverage technology and social media and show the authenticity of what he would bring to Congress. And hey, look, uh, he was one of the few people in a primary to the Trump endorsed his opponent, yet he still won. So that, that's yeah. power of, uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook and uh, the current political environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was an important thing too for, for Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, You know, he had so many social media followers. He had such a following already that I think it was much easier for him to leverage Twitter and Instagram and everything when he came into the presidency uh, which is why I think we see him, good or bad, so heavily involved in social media, because um, it is, it's so important. Um, so my question with that, sorry, what was that? I was going to say, like, honestly, that's like the only way for him to get his message out, considering the media won't cover him. So. True. Well, that's what I was just True. about to say with fake news and everything happening there. Um, that is like the way to showcase your true self. So that makes me wonder, uh, what made you, Sebastian, originally want to run for office? Yeah, obviously we get that question a lot, you know, on the campaign trail, knocking on doors. People say, well, what, why are you running for this? You're kind of young. Um, you're, you're involved in business. Why, why sacrifice your time and run for politics? And I think it's important now more than ever. Uh, our country is at a pivotal time when we have to make the decisions of which way we want to go as a country. I think mm-hmm. our country is one of the greatest countries in the world where you can achieve your dreams no matter where you start. Your family's history doesn't define where you're going in this country, and that's what makes our country so unique. So I wanted to fight for that. You know, my mom had me at a very young age. My grandma was a maid, and my grandfather was a janitor, and uh, they didn't have much to their name when I was born. And um, you know, they, they really worked hard and my mom made me a promise and she said, you're going to make something different of yourself than I had the opportunity to. And, and she really sacrificed a lot, babysitting nine kids while my stepfather worked 80, 90 hours a week to really uh, ensure that I had opportunity to go to a great school. But when I decided to run, I want that kind of opportunity for every North Carolinian here in the state. I had a taste of being able to do that as a policy advisor and seeing what we're able to achieve through, you know, reasonable common sense policy that empowers families to 
make their own decisions and open economic doors and economic mobility for people. Those are the kind of stories when, you know, you're out on the campaign trail, you promise someone you're going to work for what's hurting them or their small business. And then you go to Raleigh and get it done. Those are the success stories that inspired me to run and continue to make a difference. I'm a, I'm an Eagle scout. And in scouting, they said, you know, you want to leave the campsite that you're camping in better place than you found it. And that's why I'm running because I want to leave our country a better place than I found it. And I think this is the best way I can do that right now. That's awesome. Love that. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I'm sold. (laughs) um, I think I saw you're running in the 27th district. Where is that in North Carolina? I'm new here, so I'm still trying to learn my way around. In the third largest county in the state, we're in Guilford County. We have northern, western, and southern Guilford County. Um, so it is about 65 precincts. So it's pretty substantial. We have about 115, 110,000 people that'll likely be voting in our election. So, wow. Yeah, it's quite a big district, but we're up for the challenge and we're excited. It's like a sea eating Guilford, like Greensboro. That's what it looks like. It's like a Pac Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. Well, wow, that's great. Hopefully, if anyone's listening in your, well, hopefully people in your district will be listening. Like this will be a really good way to get them to um, support. Wow, that's really good. Okay, so um, next question. What is the best part about running for office? Yeah, the best part is, you know, what I love about this country is everybody has a story and it's a different Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And just knocking on doors safely, I might add, um, (laughs) knocking on doors safely and listening to constituents and neighbors story about what's going on in their lives and how I could maybe make that better by serving them in Raleigh. I have a servant's heart and just listening to their stories, you know, really motivates me. It gets pretty gruesome. I mentioned like 110,000 people knocking on lots of doors. It gets pretty boring out there sometimes, you know, in the heat, 110 degree weather, knocking on doors. But it keeps me going, keeps me excited because we're doing this for our neighbors and our community, not just myself. And that's what's really keeps me going and keeps me inspired. Love that. Love that. Love that. So uh, with that being, you know, what you love about it, is there anything that you've learned on the campaign trail so far that you weren't expecting or um, that that is just different to you than you thought it would be? Yeah. So, uh, well, I've run two campaigns in the past in 2012 and 2018. I ran representative Hardister's campaign, one before he was elected and now uh, one when he was running for Mm reelection. But what's really, you know, shocked me about this whole experience is campaigning during uh, a pandemic when families Mm -hmm. were and businesses are being forced to close. You know, if you asked me what the campaign topics were going to be at the onset of this year, I would have never bet that we would be going through a pandemic and um, the economic issues that we're facing our state. We were one of the best states for business, 20 mm-hmm. economy in the world, and that's been halt due to the pandemic. And my goodness, it's really changed things. We've leveraged things like uh, Zoom, Skype, a lot of technology has been incorporated mm-hmm. in this campaign, and I think it's it's a good way, and I, I hope it continues after the pandemic. It's a good way to reach voters. I think it's taught it's taught some uh, older folks in the process how to get their message out there a little more. So I think it'll <laughs> benefit the political process. But I never could have expected this, you know, to be campaigning like this. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I love our Facebook um, live town halls. I really feel like we're able to connect with more people that we would not have connected with. I mean. I mean, 
pre-COVID, you'd go to a meet and greet, have 50 or so people, and it's only those 50 people where a Facebook Live, you you can have 50 people on the live, and then everybody else can watch it on demand. I mean, we've held two Facebook town halls for the Guilford GOP. Our first one reached over 2,000 people. Wow. If it, it wasn't for the coronavirus, because we've never thought about doing a Facebook Live town hall. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, for <clears throat> the younger generations, like Mallory and I are kind of millennial right on that cusp of Gen Z, I would never go to something like that. I mean, I, I just didn't think about it when I was younger, you know, like right when I turned 18, I was able to vote, but I didn't think about town halls or going to listen to uh, any kind of politics. But when it's on Facebook and I'm like, hey, this is right in my area. Yeah, I'll tune in and I'll watch it and I'll ask questions because it's anonymous. I can stay in my pajamas. It's great. <laughs> That's exactly right. And and, and what's really interesting is there's been some studies conducted. Most constituents or voters now go and look at your Facebook than your actual website nowadays. So that's true. Like a town hall where people can have it archived and go back and listen to it anytime. What a way for voters to interact with their candidates and elected officials. I think it's truly beneficial to the process. And they're able to scroll through to watch the candidate that they want to see or listen to the issues they want to listen to. They don't have to listen to the entire hour. They can just kind of pick and choose kind of what they want to hear. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Wow. That Yeah. Um, and that I just love how you guys took the pandemic and everything that happened and just pivoted. Because, you know, sometimes some people just kind of like freaked out. I was like, I don't know what to do. But you guys like took the opportunity and said, hey, let's do something and make something great with that. That's yeah, really I mean, good of my wife for doing that too because she has an area of expertise with that political couple that she took with help in my campaign have a social media strategy and helped other businesses that needed to transition online as well and that you know that that work that she's done has been very beneficial to the small businesses that she's helped with that political consultant Hmm, that's awesome that's good wow okay so sebastian yeah i'm sorry i'll do your question first. Um, What is the most important issue to you? Yeah, I think the most important issue is, you know, coming from my beginning is how can we find economic mobility? Uh, Economic mobility is one of the first things that I really want to help get done because on the campaign trail, you've seen it. You get told every two years, every four years, or every six years that this elected official is going to do this, this, and this, and then they disappear until re-election happens and they leave the community behind and you know, nothing ever gets done for those who need help the most. So, uh, you know, I've worked well with Representative uh, Mark Walker, who's in the United States Congress, on thinking of a plan on how to help these low-income communities. And uh, opportunity zones are one thing that I want to get done. But I really want to get our small businesses back to work safely as well. Small business is part of the backbone of the North Carolina economy, part of the economic uh, mobility route, and it's really criti- uh, critical that people have the opportunity to start their own business and keep it going. So never again do I think that we should have one person closing down businesses in North Carolina. And I think that's one thing I'd get done in the North Carolina State Senate. We need to have a study committee preventing that from ever happening again. And taking it, it's easy to look in hindsight, but now that we have gone through a pandemic, how can we ensure that uh, businesses aren't hurt like this ever again? So I think those are some of the most important things I'd really work on in the North Carolina State Senate. 
absolutely love everything you just said. And I also, too, I want to add this. When um, So how I um, met Sebastian was I was helping YR. We did like a deployment, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And um, he was one of the people. And, you know, I just, I'm a social media person. So I'm like going through everything, looking at who I'm, I wanted to know, I was like, okay, like I trusted YR, but also too, you never know. So I'm like, I did a little bit of research just to see. (laughs) And, um, but anyway, so when we were um, going from door to door and everything safely, um, one of the questions we asked was like, what is the most important issue to you? And every single person we talked to said economics, like that was economics and jobs. That was the only, no, one or two people said something like, yeah, and healthcare, but like, everybody said economic. So I love that you, that is your thing and like your constituents, that's what they care about too. So that's great. And you get, and you get a gauge on that by having those conversations at doorsteps, you know, yeah. opponent, he's been in his basement, hasn't really been talking with folks and it, it's not being negative. It's just the truth that yeah. your community to get a gauge and you can do that safely, which we both have done. So thank you for coming and knocking on doors for our campaign. We greatly appreciate it. It's how we're going to win. And it's how we're not just going to win, but we're going to bring the voices of our community to Raleigh. And I think that's what's so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Victoria, the, the next question that we have for you is, how do you support a spouse that's running for something like this? I Wow. So... <laughs> We've asked this to a lot of candidates on our blog. And the biggest thing they say is both you and your spouse has to be on the same page. If the spouse is not okay, so like with their husband or wife running, it's not going to work. I mean, there is so much time. I mean, this, we've had what a political event every evening this week, I think. That's right. And, um, it really just takes a lot of time and grace and patience and it will be nights where it's okay to say, babe, I can't go tonight. I'm just exhausted. And he understands and I go get my nails done. So it's really making sure that before you decide to run for office, both you and your spouse needs to be on the same page because it really is a team effort. And that's what a lot of people forget about. It's, it's literally a team effort. You, he can't do it without me. No candidate can do it without their spouse and their family support. Yeah, that's great insight. And I feel like, you know, we were talking earlier about people attacking you. And to me, it's one of those things when you choose to run for office, you're also putting your spouse Mm -hmm. into that arena, right? Like even Mallory and I have already had people attacking us personally just for having a podcast. So when you're running for something so, uh, polarizing. I feel like you definitely need your spouse to be on boards that they're not put into a situation they're not comfortable with. <laughs> oh, definitely. Because I, I haven't been attacked yet, which I'm blessed. But <laughs> it hurts me when I see him getting attacked. I mean, it hurts his, like our families, like my yeah. parents see it, his parents see it. You really don't think, you really think, oh, I'm getting my voice out. And I'll be honest, there's a difference between um, holding your elected official accountable and just being mean to them. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you said that. And when you attack them based on kind of maybe their appearance or call them in profanity or calling out their family, 
that doesn't help get your message across. If you really have an issue you want to talk about with uh, the candidate or with the politician, don't post it on their comments on a Facebook post. Send them an email. Most candidates and politicians have their phone number on their website, have their personal email on their website. Reach out through that way because I'll be honest, I also manage a lot of other candidates' accounts. And you bullying the candidate isn't going to get your message across at all. It shuts down the conversation completely. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. Because I do think, especially because just this day and age with social media, we forget, like you said earlier, that there's a person on the other end. We're mad and angry about X, Y, and Z. So we just take it out and we forget. So I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Yeah, and I'm perfectly, look, people are passionate about a lot of issues going on in their community, and rightfully so. A lot of this impacts, you know, their business or their life personally. And look, we want to hear those conversations. Like I said, I'm I'm in this to hear your story. And uh, regardless of where you sit on the aisle, I will always listen to your story. Just reach out. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, come attacking me. I, I'm pretty good to get a hold of. <laughs> so now we're going to do like the fun ones. Okay. Um what is your favorite thing to do together? Talk politics a lot. I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh, that's cute. That's actually probably one of our favorite bonding things is, look, she's managing campaigns and I've managed campaigns in the past. And it's uh, it's a good opportunity for us to um talk strategy and you know what i've done in my experience is running campaigns is different than a candidate gets to see so using my expertise to help her succeed with her businesses i think is a good way for us to bond we have two dogs we 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 enjoy mm-hmm. playing with those two dogs as well one's a little crazier than the other but oh, God. Um, yeah we, we enjoy playing with our dogs uh, she she was a d1 athlete and i was a one oh. one athlete so <laughs> too competitive to really play sports together uh she she kicks my butt on the golf course and i'm okay with that i've accepted that um we did be and i will put this in statement we played uh touch football against john hardster and one of his interns and me and him beat john hardster and his intern nice oh wow okay beated in 2v2 football so (laughs) if anyone wants to challenge (laughs) But I would also say, too, uh, we love watching The Office. That's kind of what we do before bed. Um, we'll just we'll watch The Office. And, I mean, we haven't been able to do as much as we want to because of COVID. But just going out and eating, neither of us like cooking <laughs> or block cooking. Um, but just kind of being out in the community, enjoying each other. Yeah, that's what we like doing. <laughs> you guys sound like you'd get along really well with me and my husband because those are very similar hobbies to what we what we do. What kind of dogs do you guys have? <laughs> we have a Havanese and a Golden Retriever puppy who's like one. Ah, uh, okay. Aww. <laughs> you really hear them fighting in the other room. Yeah, they're, they're arguing in there telling <laughs> one's five pounds and one's 85 pounds, but yet the oh. Asserts dominance over the 80. I don't know how that works, but it's pretty funny. I've got the same thing going. So I have an 18-pound Jack Russell Terrier, and he completely rules his 40-pound year old, 40-pound sister. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. 
<laughs> when you said the dogs, I was like, oh, I know Bailey's face lit up. <laughs> I love dogs. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're all of our social media, and too. And you'd be amazed when knocking on doors how many, pe- how many people actually have dogs. It is it is yeah i would say i would say over 60 percent of the population has a dog it's crazy oh yeah i think the most the most likes we get on any of our social media is with the dogs in it (laughs) yeah oh yeah yes that yeah for sure (laughs) people love dogs so for you two what's your favorite vacation spot i'm just gonna take this i'm gonna say i could be wrong Number two was pretty well, awesome. No, it's not Pinehurst number two. That's the uh, golf well, course. Well, Pinehurst, I guess. I, uh, Pinehurst <laughs> is probably one of our favorite places to vacation. So we honeymooned in Pinehurst. Um, we were planning on doing this big elaborate trip to Italy. because So we're both Catholic. Ooh. And in the Catholic Church, after, if you go within like the three-month span of being married, you can go to the Vatican and get the Pope to bless your marriage. So okay. That, span for us was around the primary day and so we didn't want to schedule a trip to Italy if in case he has a primary because that just wouldn't work out and we got lucky that we ended up not going because that's when COVID hit yeah we probably would have been <laughs> quarantined in Italy stuck there for a couple weeks a couple months a couple months maybe and it, it would have oh, been wow experience if we had gone how we wanted it to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, things happen in weird ways. So we ended up yep. in Pinehurst having a great time. I made one heck of a putt, but that's all I had to show for it. <laughs> one putt. I got the ball there. <laughs> and then he posts on social media that day. And I go, can we not talk about the shot that I hit to get it there? <laughs> I Pinehurst there. We ended up playing Pinehurst number two and then number four and then did a spa day. And yeah, and then that's where we're going after the election. So I took that whole week off at the election and we're going to go down and stay at Pine Needles this time, which that's my favorite golf course in North Carolina is Pine Needles. That's so cool. Yeah. So quick question. Um, Born and raised in North Carolina. Don't know what Pinehurst is, an island, a city, it's like it's in the sand hills it's about two hours okay it's the golf capital of the world so like we've had golf tournaments down there u.s opens for us in greensboro it's about hour and a half drive um it's just kind of down past ashboro from charlotte i think it's about two hours you literally just okay east so okay Nice, nice. Oh, and that that was smart too to take the week off. That was thinking ahead. Yeah, when did you guys get married? January 4th. And fun fact, we got married the same day as Dan and Alice Forrest. So we sh- will share the same anniversary with them. Not the same year, but yeah, the same. how fun. <laughs> and then there's uh, Dan has a huge so cute. here in Guilford County. Her name's Sandra Burns. And uh, She's a good friend of mine, good supporter. Came of to our wedding. And she came to our wedding, but she has the same anniversary as well, which is January 4th. So it's like us three political people all got married this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good to be married, even though it's in the wintertime. It, uh, it's something cool yeah. that brings some bonding with our friends. So it's yeah, crazy. I don't yeah. plan it like that at all. So I knew I wanted... Okay, so here's a fun fact. I know Bailey's married. Mallory, this is what I'm going to tell you. Okay. She's about to preach, guys. <laughs> I'm excited. The church of Christmas is beautiful. 
Plus, they will leave up the Christmas decorations for free. So we did not have to decorate the church because the Christmas oh. were still up. So we had these beautiful Christmas trees and um, like re- those red flower things. And um, it was just beautiful. So I know I wanted to get married around Christmas time because I'm like a penny pincher and I don't like spending money. And so I didn't, and I knew like my cousin had gotten married about six months prior and spent like over $3,000 on flowers. And I go, oh God, I'm doing that. But um, yeah, so if you get married around Christmas time, you get the flowers in the church. And then my little sister turned 21 on January 1st. And she said, I don't care when you guys get married. I just got to be 21 by then. And I go, oh, (laughs) in January. Oh, okay. that's so great. Yeah, I'm yeah. With I think I spent $4,500 total on my entire wedding. So I'm with you. I don't like to spend money. We got married in October, so we didn't have the free decorations, but that's a great tip. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get married. The other thing in January, everything's on a discount. So we got our DJ, our venue, catering, all that was discounted in January because that's their off month. I don't know after COVID, but <laughs> you go, girl. You go, girl. That's awesome. Yeah, and I was going to say real quick, I do think winter weddings are really pretty, too. Like, I've seen, like, on Pinterest, you know. So we had, like, for wraps, we had, like, the dark red uh, roses in the bouquet, had, um, like, some some of those, like, pine berry things. It was ah, beautiful. So pretty. This or that lightning round. You guys ready? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Hot air balloon or, or bungee jumping? God, I hate heights. Hot air. <laughs> hot air balloon. I have to go with. I, I hate heights too. So both of those are situations for me. <laughs> Bungee jump. You just don't know what's going to happen with the cord when you go down. I'm just. Uh-uh. I agree. Hot air balloons are a lot safer. Uh, Batman or Superman? Gotta go, Superman. Yeah, I would say Superman. I, I the who was it? Henry Cavill. Oh, he's so hot. <laughs> I concur. Um, <laughs> early birds or night owls? Night owls, yeah, night definitely. Owls, certainly. Uh, yeah, if I could start work at ten every day, I'd be so happy. I hate oh. getting up in the morning. That's the opposite of Mallory and I. We're both early birds. My yeah. husband's a night owl, though, so I, I feel ya. <laughs> yeah. I do my best work uh, responding at like in the evening times, night times. That's when I do my best work. So. Some people get emails from me at like 1240 and they're like, how, how are you up so late? And then back at it the next day. All about caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Pumpkin spice latte he yeah. drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, you may have answered this one already with all the wedding talk, but do you guys prefer winter or summer? Mm. Is there a third option? Fall. I yeah, like it right I like in between. Fall <laughs> Everybody likes fall. Which one yeah. would you pick? Hot or cold? <laughs> uh, probably warmer, just because yeah. I put an outdoor sport. Yeah. Did winter golf. I agree. Summer. Summer. Uh, summer's probably better than two. I can't. You said winter golf. I can't even imagine doing golf in the winter. Oh. One of my tournaments in junior golf. It was thirty-seven degrees and. <gasps> And so when the ball was rolling on the green, there was literally a line of sleet going around the ball. 
oh, it was awful. And then you're wearing like three layers. So you have an Under Armour, a shirt over, like a collar shirt over top, and then another jacket over top. And we would always do um, hand warmers and mittens. So you take the mittens off, hit your golf ball, put the mittens back on. Oh, yikes. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Great golfer. She was a D1 golfer for ECU. And uh, she actually championship uh, during a hurricane once, right? Yeah. So Hurricane <laughs> Sandy, we played through that. That was rough. You had like, literally you'd have a 30 mile per hour wind gust. So like you hit the golf ball, it goes up in the air, wind blows it 30 yards off course. Oh, that was a miserable two days. Only reason she didn't win two state championships. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. I love how you're bragging on her. Oh, that's so cute. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't do the same always. She kind of keeps me humble. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your three or give us three um, really good political co- podcasts or commentators that you like to follow? To stay up to date on the news. Tying it together, the but, verdict. Well, no, tying it, tying it together with Tim Boyum. It's a Spectrum News podcast, and he only focuses on North Carolina. He gives some, he did some great uh, interviews with local candidates and local political analysis, really talking about North Carolina politics. And then the verdict with Ted Cruz. That mm. that's a good one. And then for the third one, I'm going to say stay tuned until after I'm elected. We will be launching a podcast showing what's going on in Raleigh behind the scenes. And I think people will be very interested in that. Um, So stay tuned for that. I hate to give the bailout third answer like that, but I think it'll be pretty cool. Well, I'll give my, so definitely, (laughs) and that's one of my favorites. He does a, he did a really good episode, I think two weeks ago, talking about the election and like um, absentee ballots and the whole process, which he interviews uh, the um, head of the board of elections in North Carolina. Highly recommend it. Well, I guess that was two weeks ago. So it was like the... Wait, who was, who'd you say? Who'd uh, you say? Tim Boyum's like the Tying It Together podcast. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And then I love, okay, I'm scrolling through my podcast right now. I listen. <laughs> um, there's a really good one called uh, Slow Burn. So it's only the first two seasons I like. So the first season talks about um, Nixon's impeachment. Second season talks about Bill Clinton's impeachment. And then my third podcast would be, um, why did I just blank? Oh, RFK tapes. And it's talking about the conspiracy theory between Bobby Kennedy's um, assassination and how they think that the guy who killed him was um, hypnotized to do it. Awesome. And what is that called? One more time. I'm going to write that. Like, no joke. I love that type of stuff. RFK tapes. RFK tapes. Love it. Cool. Yeah, Mallory found her new favorite podcast. She loves conspiracies. So <laughs> podcast called Conspiracy Theories. So it's literally called that. It's like a a mustard yellow uh, cover. But essentially each week they go through conspiracy theories and explain like what they like, what happened, what the theories are, and then debate whether they are actually true or not and the likelihood of it happening. All right. I'm at that one as well. Love it. All right. So the final question that I have for both of you is what advice do you have for young people who are either interested in running or just want to get involved in any level of politics, whether that be a podcast or, um, you know, any way that they can? 
Well, I encourage young people to be involved. I mean, this is your future that that's, you know, playing out before you. Decisions made in Congress, state level or the local level impact you directly and will impact your family, uh, your loved ones. So I encourage, regardless if you want to run one day or not, be involved, understand the process and try to get behind all the, you know, fake news, political rhetoric that goes on. Both sides take part in it. You hear it. It's hard to watch TV nowadays with all the craziness that they they just pander to one side. Mm-hmm. But get through that and then really find out who your representatives are, whether it's the local level of city council, town, um, school board, county commissioner, or your state level representatives. Those two are really accessible for you to meet with and talk to most of the time. Uh, uh, a lot of them like to hear the stories that are going on with young people today. Um, it's a little harder to get a hold of to meet with the president of the United States because <laughs> write a letter. And I always encourage people, look, take part of the process. Look, anyone can do it. I, I, I've proven that. AOC's proven that. Madison's proven that. That young people can make an impact in the political process. But also as campaign managers, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of campaign managers, even on the statewide level, are young people. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of staffers in Congress are young people that are mm-hmm. there in their early 20s. So you can easily make a difference regardless of where you are in life. It just takes that, you know, first jump. It, they say the number one fear in public is public speaking. But politics isn't just about public speaking. There's real policy issues that go on. If you're a fan of reading, you can read a, bu- a bunch of policies. If you're a math person. There's a lot of finance to do with the budget and everything. Data analytics. Da- data analytics. Uh, there is a home for everybody to be involved and make a difference in their community. Use your passion to make a difference for your neighbor. That's what makes our country so great. Neighbors helping neighbors. So I encourage any young person to be involved. Yeah, I, I agree with that because honestly, I didn't get involved. So really, and we can kind of go... This is how we met too. So I had a really bad experience with my coach at ECU and started working with this student athlete advocacy group to get a study commission started in the North Carolina General Assembly to study uh, looking into student athlete abuse and kind of creating like a student athlete bill of rights as a coach's code of conduct because as a student athlete, I had to follow three bill of rights, but there's no coaches code of conduct. So when a coach does something wrong, technically there's no rules against it because he didn't write them. And so that's how I met John Hardister. And then I went to an event for John Hardister and that's where I met Sebastian. And it's really, I guess the thing that I've learned is you really do have a voice. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a voice and don't let someone tell you just because you're young that you don't matter because you've had your own experiences that are different than what other people have gone through. And if you truly feel like it's your call and you're in for office, then do it. Don't be afraid to do it. And if you feel like there's an issue that needs to be spoken about, bring it up. And I would, and I would bring it up more on a one-on-one basis, because that's what I did. I went around the General Assembly and literally talked one-on-one with people that were on voting for the commission. I sat in their offices, I told them my story, and they listened because I didn't try blasting them on social media or anything like that or sending them hate mail. Like, that doesn't 
that doesn't yeah. work. And, and you'll find out that if you're having an issue and you're trying to be an advocate, that you're probably not alone. With the, you're not the yeah. only person having this issue. And, and it's amazing the relationships you can build or the friendships you can build advocating for an issue. Who knows? You might find you're the one for you by doing it. <laughs> it's, I thought I, it was the worst day of my life ended up being the best day. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. Wow. Oh, gosh. Well, you two are just a joy to uh, to be around and you're so fun. The energy is great. So we are really excited to see the election results, see what happens with you, too. Thank you so much for for taking the time and coming on here. Thank you for having us. You've had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I appreciate you guys doing this podcast. I listen to it. It, I highly recommend it for people. Um, You guys do a great job. So it's an honor to be here. Thanks. Also, too, really quick, just tell us your social media and then um, the district you're running in again, just so people can hear it again. Absolutely. So website is SebastianKingNC.com. And then my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all SebastianKingNC. And uh, district I am running for is in Northern, Southern, and Western Guilford County, District 27 for the North Carolina State Senate. Yeah, and our blog is thatpoliticalcouple.com. We have had interviews with other candidates. I've provided some political Wi-Fi of like what to wear and what not to wear. Um, How to take pictures at a political event. Just different things I've learned. I literally... After every evening, I sit down and write about what I've learned that day in my notebook to kind of create a post later on. Um, and our, all of our social media is for it's that political couple. That's so cool. Yeah, I'll have to read that blog because that sounds like it's going to be some some pretty good advice. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Those Other Girls. Um, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and all the jazz. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram, at thoseothergirlspodcast, and on Twitter, at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.